will be returning to the cafe at Artichoke Music on Thursday, April 8th for an interesting OMN coffee shop conversation with therapist Dino Paris on how the pandemic has affected creativity. But today, we're Skyping with keyboardist Dave Fleschner, who has been a big part of many Portland bands. Many people remember him from being on the road with Curtis Salgado for six years. He's doing a lot of teaching these days, as most musicians have been during the pandemic. You know, one of these days, I'll be able to do one of these things and never have the pandemic come up in conversation. Coffee shop or not. Dave has been a fixture on the soul, blues, funk, jazz scene around here. And it's a good time to say hello. Hello again, Dave. Hey, Tom. How you doing? Seems like we just talked to each other last week. Because we did. Yeah, we, we did. And it was great to have you in my class. Now, uh, what, what class? Uh, uh, Clackamas Community College, right. Um, what, what, what exactly was that class? I wasn't too sure. <laughs> it's called Careers in Music. And what we do is we have uh, guest speakers come out and talk to the students about their career in music. Uh-huh. And um, I always like to get uh, di- different types of people involved with it so i've I've had um people ranging from writers like you to um to uh people like curtis ogato friends of mine duffy bishop and uh chris carlson and valerie day and Mm -hmm. um and john smith are going to be on tomorrow night so and then of course we had asher falero on with you which was cool because he stayed on and yeah, you know the interesting thing about Zoom is that I can get people from all over the country, friends of mine, that can tune in. Yeah, yeah. So what, what what is Asher's other name? What did he record under? Do you remember? Uh, Asher Flair. Uh, um, I don't know. He's got a few projects. Yeah, but he, but he used a different name on one of them, and I can't remember it. Oh well, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but he sure had a lot of keyboards there in that room. Yeah, he did. So, um, how do you think it went? Because I didn't, it seemed like I was talking to, it was kind of out of their frame of reference, some of it, a lot of it, most of it. (laughs) I thought it went great because the the best thing that I thought was you you told them how to conduct themselves in an interview. Yes, yes. And I thought that, that you gave some really good advice about, how to do that and that's something that they need to learn and that's something that they probably haven't thought about very much well it probably never occurred Being to them it probably, probably never occurred to them that that uh, the people that who are interviewing them know absolutely nothing about music right <laughs> i thought that was a great comment and uh, of course you know you're interviewing me now and i'd like to think that i've had a little bit of experience with it but you often get misquoted or uh, when, especially in print, <laughs> you can, you can read back what the interview was and find out that, the, that they didn't get at all what you were trying to, the point that you were trying to get across. <laughs> oh, well, what are you going to do? Yeah. Yeah. At least they were talking yeah, to you. But, um, I, I guess in a podcast like this, uh, I can't 
uh, I, I, I can't worry about being misquoted. <laughs> no, because you know why? Because I don't edit these things. <laughs> what what what's there is just there, you know. I, I've I've never, you know, I've I've worked I've done a lot of things where I've had to be I've used heavy edits, but I don't ever edit on this. Well, I did one. There was one singer who wanted to who who wanted to kill Trump, and I had to I had to take that out. <laughs> you can't you can't have death threats on the air. No, no, or anywhere really. Um, <laughs> Unless you're a Repub- right, yeah, unless yeah. you're a Re- unless you're a Republican, then you can do it. Anyway, uh, well, I'm no, I'm I'm no I'm no Trump fan, but I promise I won't threaten um, anything. Don't threaten me either, because I'm Sicilian. <laughs> and, I, and I'll come after you. So look, uh, you got people. Yeah, I do. As a matter of fact, um, they're all dead. But what are you going to do? Uh, let's see. Uh, now, when this virus hit, what was the, did, did you did you have a full plate? Did you have a lot of projects you were doing? Because you're always in a million bands. I, I had a whole summer full. Of, I, I had a whole summer full of gigs oh. with with a bunch of different bands. Like what? Um, uh, well, uh, 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 Sabrosa's one of them. You know the 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 Oyeda brothers. Oh, I love those guys. And I like I love them. Yeah, when they, I love them. Right. When, I love them when they were rubberneck. I know there've been a whole bunch of different things. They were I loved them when they were rubberneck. I used to open for them. Did you? And then I actually, I actually joined the band right before they disbanded. <laughs> um, uh, but I used to open for them in a couple different bands. My college band, um, and then uh, and then in a, a band I was in called Groove Revelation, uh-huh. which. Uh, we still play together every once in a while, kind of a reunion thing. But um, uh, so uh, Sabrosa, we we were we didn't get to do our CD release. We made this great CD, and uh, it's it, it's out there on the internet. But it uh, yeah. and I did I did all the horn arranging for it, and I played on it. We did it at Falcon with Dennis Carter. Yeah, I played it on the and, radio. Oh, you played okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, we made this great CD, and we never got to have a CD release party. Jeez. Um, so uh, that was kind of a a bummer. Um, well, it doesn't mean you can't. Yeah, have, it, doesn't, I had a, it doesn't mean you can't have one when everything comes back. That's true. Yeah. yeah. No, I agree. Yeah, and, and we will. Um, and I'm starting to uh, get people are starting to. To plan because we think we're going to be coming back, yeah. but it's hard uh, because we don't really know for sure, you know, yeah. um, what the guidelines are going to be and everything. But uh, uh, yeah, no, I had a whole summer full of gigs with different bands. I was at a good one there. Um, uh, uh, I, I, my last gig. Right, right before it was March fifteenth, before mm-hmm. the pandemic hit, and then mm-hmm. everything got canceled. What was your last gig? It it was playing. At, I don't even. It was a solo piano gig at a, <laughs> a bar restaurant in, in uh, Milwaukee. I actually don't even remember the name of the place. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
it was the first time I played there and uh and of course haven't played there since. I did have a couple of gigs. I played a gig in Spokane and I think it was because the promoters were Republicans. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I did play a festival uh, up there and people were distanced, like they were way back from this the stage, but a sound guy came up to me, you know, for the sound check and and he starts getting in my face and I'm leaning away from him because I'm like, dude, <laughs> Jeez. we're in a pandemic. God. <laughs> um, but for the most part, uh, everybody was, was spaced out. Like people were in their little pods in this park. Um, well, they always get spaced out when they uh, hear your music, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> well, so... Um, a lot of what I've been – so I kind of focus – you know, a lot of people have been doing, um, you know, like Facebook yeah. Live or yeah. YouTube Live or whatever. And uh, I've done a couple of those, um, but I, I felt like they, they were real popular at first, and then everybody started doing it. And I was like – I focused on teaching because I've been teaching since uh, two, 2000, so I've, I've greatly increased my student load. Ah. Um, and that, that's, what's kept me going. I'll bet. I'll bet. Cause you can actually, cause you can actually get paid for that. Uh -huh. And, uh, I, I think begging for Venmo and, and, uh, and, uh, PayPal and, and PayPal. Yeah. Tips or is, uh, yeah, I, I think it's fine. Everybody who's doing that is great. Um, and, and I think it's totally cool, but it's not for me. I found it easier to, to – uh, I, I work at, you know, as you know, we talked about Clackamas Community College and uh, at Backbeat Music Academy, which is um, run by John Lamb. Mm -hmm. And then um, uh, who's uh, Patrick Lamb's younger brother. Mm -hmm. And uh, and he's great. And he's been he, – he's been kind of my lifeline for um, – for adding students in. Uh -huh. And then I also uh, work with uh, United by Music. And, oh, yeah. And and we've done uh, a couple of concerts, and we rehearse uh, over Zoom every week, which is kind of weird because, as you know, Zoom has that latency problem. Yes. Um, so we've had to sort of redesign how we do that. It's kind of like, it, people go one at a time. You don't get to yeah, yeah. actually play music together. Uh, uh, yeah. Although sometimes we try it, and it ends up being really chaotic, but <laughs> also kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> then you have to what you have to do then in that case is play play a lot of sun rock. <laughs> so it sounds it sounds normal, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, uh, so. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, it's like we'll trade verses, mm -hmm. and then um, so different people sing, and then uh, at the end we'll all try to you know sing the chorus together. Uh, and uh, what I've found on Zoom is if I rush really hard, uh, <laughs> I can kind of sound like I'm time with somebody. <laughs> Jeez, that's that's awful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. At first, uh, I don't know if you've heard of Jam Kazam, no. but um, when the the pandemic first hit, I found that they've uh, they're a really low latency 
company, and they've gotten a lot of crowdfunding going on, and it's improved. So, like, I played with this guy in Belgium, huh. and um, and uh, it, it kind of depends on on how close you are and your your setup. Like, you need a um, you need an audio interface, and you need mm-hmm. to be actually hardwired into the internet with the Ethernet cable. But you can reduce your latency and actually kind of play music together. And I really pushed for it with uh, with all the groups. And as you can't get everybody on board, um, it, it doesn't really work. But yeah, uh, yeah. but it is a cool it, it's a cool um, application. I was talking to Farnell Newton. He he does a lot of that. I don't know what he uses, but he does, oh, he does, yeah. he does do a lot of that. Yeah, yeah, I love Farnell. So, okay, so you were, uh, what about yeah. Blues Cabaret? I got a great Farnell story, but I don't want to say it. It's oh, one that I only. Oh, you can't. <laughs> it's one te- I usually. <laughs> you can't tease that. We got to hear that. We got to hear that Farnell story. And during what uh, period? Do you know, remember when he was bleak? Remember his nickname was bleak? I don't remember that. Yeah, no. Bleak Beats. I don't think I knew him in that. Bleak Beats. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Come on, you going to spell it or not? <laughs> oh, well, I I don't know. I mean, shit. Uh, okay. Uh, this is the story I usually, you know. Uh, all right, so do you know Carol Smith? No. She's a trumpet educator, mm-hmm. she's, and she's been in education forever. But she taught Paul Mazia how to play trumpet. Really? And, um, and yeah, she's taught a, a, just a ton of trumpet players. And she's classical. She's not jazz. Uh-huh. She didn't teach him how to improvise. She, she taught him technique, you know, like uh-huh. classical technique. And uh, um, so we're on this gig with Karen Lovely, and it's uh, and her son, Tyler, is playing bass, uh, Carol's son. And um, it's Karen Lovely gig. And, uh, but uh, uh, Farnell and Devin Phillips are on it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it, it's a Jimmy Max. And so we're at the bar having a drink, and I'm sitting there with uh, Tyler and Farnell. And, and Devin Phillips walk, walks up and he goes, Bass player's mama say, says you're embouchure for shit. Jeez. <laughs> oh, <laughs> So I hope Farnell doesn't uh, listen to this. What did he say? <laughs> he just shook his head. I mean, he was playing great. He sounded great. I didn't. I didn't know anything about that. But she's just, you know, like a classical. Yeah, yeah. You know. <laughs> oh, Farnell, you know, he's got a lot of nerve. That guy. He's. I remember there was a George Clinton was in town, and and his uh, his band opened for him, and his band actually played Maggot Brain. Wow! Yeah, they asked. No, him, yeah, that, that, that. They they asked George and, and and Eddie if it was okay, and they they they, they both said yeah, and they, they actually played Maggot Brain with George Clinton in the house and and coming up next. That's all. It takes a lot of nerve. <laughs> well, at least he asked, though. I mean, yes, that's no, yes. that's just balls, you know. Yeah. That's that's, that's uh, it, it, it. If you did that without asking. Then I think that was that that might be something, but you know if they ask. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I guess I guess George I guess George and Eddie thought well, you know if they fuck it up we can always laugh at them. 
<laughs> but apparently we they, always play it better. Apparently they did not. I was there that night, as a matter of fact. Okay, so um, yeah. oh, cool. uh, uh, what about the Blues Cabaret? Is that still is that still happening? Yeah, you know, um, yeah, my my relationship with uh, Earl uh, became t- uh, tenuous. Oh, sorry. And um, so uh, I did, I, I have continued it on occasion uh, without Earl. Uh-huh. Um, we've played, we've, we've, we ended up playing a few gigs. Um, but you know what happened with that? I mean, I can, we, what happened was we did the blues cabaret uh-huh. and Earl loved it. And he actually, we re, wants to re-record the whole record. I've, uh-huh. I've been in touch with him. He's kind of semi-retired. Really? Um, but, uh, from, from music anymore. Um, what happened with that is, uh, we did that record, and he, you know, he's better known in Europe than he is in America. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I just want to make it clear that I'm talking about Earl Thomas and not Ural, because a lot yes. of people get confused. E-A-R-L. I, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I played with Ural, and he's fantastic, too. Yeah. They're both great singers. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we made that record, and... Earl tried to sell it to his European promoters. Uh-huh. Um, and they thought it was too jazzy. Huh. And so there was, there was a record label in Spain that uh, wanted to make a record. So we made a record with Vios Dodson. Because I was like, okay, I know what they want. Uh-huh. They want. They want this, you know, that... that more of a, a, a kind of rock blues thing than a yeah. jazz blues thing. Yeah. And and uh, so I understood that. And so we made another record, and it was called Crow. Uh-huh. And we we played a few gigs here in Portland. Earl flew up, and we, you know, um, we made the, reco- uh, the recording here in my studio. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was mixed by a friend of mine, Eric Ferguson, out in Maine. And then, uh, so we played, we, we just kind of played some gigs around town, like Soleil's, you know, when mm-hmm. that place was still happening. Oh, yeah. And, um, and then we played O'Connor's, and uh, Vios and Earl kind of got into it. So, oh, boy. Um, so <laughs> that, went, that <laughs> went away. And then, uh, so, but we went to tour Europe with, uh, and Dan Gilday was the guitar player. It was yeah. me, Dan Gilday, uh, and, um, and, uh, Tom Huge Goykachea. Oh, yeah. And, uh, Bill Laugh. And we were backing up Earl, and it was a great band. And it was a killer tour. But the problem was that it was, um, uh, it was they were Earl's gigs. So when it was the Blues Cabaret, I was in charge. Mm-hmm. I booked everything. I did all the business and mm-hmm. paid everybody and did all that stuff. But when we went to Europe, those were all Earl's gigs. And mm-hmm. so, and he usually, when he goes to Europe, gets a pickup band there. Like he goes over solo mm-hmm. and hires, you know, a European band to back him up. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, whether it's in London or and I had actually gone over with him to Norway a couple of times. Uh, he brought me over to be the band leader. Turns out, man, they, those guys really do their homework. Uh-huh. Uh, so I. I don't think I was actually necessary as a music director. I ended up, you know, I was playing keyboards, but I didn't have to do much direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, anyway, we we went <laughs> we went over there. We played uh, Scotland, England, Spain. Uh, where else? Yeah, most of the gigs were in Spain. And uh, when we came back, we just had. I'm I'm not going to go too detailed on there. Okay, but. <laughs> good idea. Good idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Things but things kind of fell apart. That right? was that was sort of yeah. Things kind of fell apart as bands do. You know, I've been in tons of bands. Yeah, and like, yeah. Things always, and so I'm used to that. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was sad because uh, to me it was one of the 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 blues cabaret is one of the things that I'm the most proud of in terms mm-hmm. of uh, having created something. You know, I'm still proud of that CD. I still think it sounds good. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I wish that in certain ways that it, it had continued. I think the writing was really good. I did all the writing. Mm. Um, and uh, And I recorded it. I had it mixed. By someone else because I'm not the best mixer, but uh-huh. um, I did all the engineering, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, and 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 I, I I think it still holds up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I wish it had gone further. We actually got uh, uh, what in contention for Grammy nomination, gotcha. not, which is not nominated. Right, it's the the step before that. Right. right. Well, <laughs> you know. And that's happened to me a, a couple times, but mm-hmm. I've never, never actually made the uh, the cut for the Grammy nomination. But um, it's, uh, but still, I I think it's an honor. I think that uh, everybody would really like to hear. I don't care how many times you've told the story. Um, you're you're very very well known for being with Curtis Salgado for six years. And I think oh, yeah. I think people would really be interested in in in, in hearing. How that came about? Oh, <laughs> well, you told me you got no holds barred. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what it was is I was uh, playing with Chris Mather. I don't. Do you remember the Mather brothers? No, I wasn't here then. Okay. Well, I they. I don't think I was. Anyway. Were a big, they were a big part of starting the blues festival. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, yeah, and, uh, yeah, yeah. I know Chris those names. And, right. Chris and Craig Mather. So I was playing with Chris Mather at the time, and uh, Curtis was living in uh, – he'd recently broken up with a girlfriend, and uh, he was living with Chris. <laughs> <laughs> and so we actually um, uh, played a series of – gigs we had a regular wednesday night at o'connor's mm-hmm. and um so i met i met uh, curtis in in chris's basement which is where we rehearsed mm-hmm. and we would we started a thing where curtis and 
Curtis and Chris had an interesting relationship uh, <laughs> because they were kind of competitors back in the day. Huh. And, of course, Curtis made it much bigger than Chris did. <laughs> but um, yes. we started sort of a, a dual gig. We had two front people. We had Chris and Curtis. Huh. And I was actually uh, would lug my ham and B3 out. <laughs> and it was uh, me, Brian Foxworth on drums, and Jacob Peterson, Curtis's guitar player. Uh-huh. So it's sort of a combination of a, of a bunch of different bands playing together. And we, uh, we I, it was really fun, man. It was a great band. And O'Connor's was packed every Wednesday night. Mm-hmm. Of course, Curtis always gets the crowd out, you know? Sure. Um, so, uh, it's a funny story. Yeah, you're you're getting me to tell all my dirt, man. I'm. <laughs> <laughs> Don't blame me. <laughs> well, these are stories I I don't usually tell on the air. I'm usually uh, <clears throat> I'm working on a memoir uh-huh. of like being a side guy in different bands, and uh, I plan on publishing it after I die. <laughs> all right man come on you can't stop there <laughs> okay so anyway so we we were uh so we play there play there a bunch and uh jake peterson uh, uh jacob peterson is now playing with steve miller mm-hmm. uh who steve miller is a good friend of curtis's mm-hmm. but <clears throat> he was the one who recommended that we do this thing together or he's part of it and uh, Chris is a great guy. I love him. He he died, jeez, uh, I can't remember how many years ago, but he died of a heroin overdose. Oh, boy. Um, and, uh, uh, but we weren't playing that much, you know. Mm-hmm. It was like a, a few gigs a month. He, was, he wasn't my big, big, my biggest grossing band at the time was with Zupa, which is an organ trio, A.G. Donaloya, uh-huh. who played the Liv Orfield and, Mm-hmm. And great guitar player. Um, and he was probably the guy, that band was, and that was Anthony Jones on drums. That was a great trio. We got mm-hmm. a couple CDs out. Yeah. Uh, so that, uh, Chris wasn't employing me all that much, but I loved playing with him. And I got to meet a, just a ton of really great people. I mean, that's how I met um uh, Duffy Bishop and Chris Carlson too, mm-hmm. and so I. <clears throat> he, but Curtis was living in at, at the time, mm-hmm. so uh, we're sitting there at O'Connor's after the gig. We go over to the bar and we're eating nachos, and uh, Curtis asked me to join the band, really? right in front of Chris. <laughs> 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 And I was like, well, I'm not going to do, I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say anything right there because I don't want to, you know, yeah. piss Chris off. So I waited, so, yeah, I waited and then I gave Chris a call and talked to him about it. And he, he was kind of bummed out because he, he knew that would mean I would be on the road and not able to play with him as much. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I called Curtis back up and, and said, Hey man, I'm really interested 
lost in the gig. I just didn't want to say anything <laughs> in front of the guy, I, you know, yeah, who yeah, I'm yeah. working for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I, uh, so, uh, so yeah. So then I just started playing yeah. with my first gig with Curtis. So was the, the concert for Curtis. I got the poster on my wall here. When was that? Um, uh, when was it? Yeah. Well, here I can look at the date on the poster, probably. Yeah. Um, uh, yes. Jeez, you think the date? Well, Tuesday, June thirteenth. Well, that helps 2000. some. <laughs> Two thousand what? Two thousand six, seven thirty. Okay. Two thousand six. All right. All right. And that was at the the Theater of the Clouds, you know, at the uh-huh. it was the Rose Garden then, now it's the mm-hmm. Moda Center. Mm-hmm. And uh, we played. So not only did I play with Curtis, but we backed up Steve Miller, mm-hmm. and um, and and then there was a big jam set. I've got a photo of it. It's great. It's like uh, it's all of us from the Curtis band, plus uh, Steve Miller, Robert Cray, Taj Mahal. Wow. And uh, members of the Phantom Blues Band and huh. little Charlie and the Nightcats. And huh. um, uh, it, was, it was amazing. I don't know. Did, did you attend that? No, I did not. I don't know why, yeah. but I It was I amazing. The, yeah. the, the, <clears throat> but then, um, and so I got to play with all those guys. Mm-hmm. This is my first time. Huh. <laughs> this is my first concert in the band. And there wasn't even really a rehearsal except for the day of at the sound check. Uh, I went over and rehearsed with Curtis to, you know, just me and him in his, in, in his apartment. Mm-hmm. And that he was living, um, actually Craig Mather's, uh, uh, old apartment. He, he, he had already, uh, passed away. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Uh, but he had a and Curtis. You know, a lot of people don't know this about Curtis, but he's actually a really good piano player. Hey, you know what? I did a TV story uh, on him Wait, right back around that time, probably a couple of years earlier. And he had that he was he was living in a house, and he had that an old beat beat the shit upright in his living room, and nobody mm-hmm. nobody had ever shot him playing the piano before. And I had made a bet with the cameraman. Well, the one, well, not the one that shot it, but another cameraman at the station. He, 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 he bet me that I couldn't get anything new out of Curtis Salgado because Curtis Salgado had been interviewed so many yeah. times. And so I won the bet because I got him to play the piano on, on, on camera. Uh, that's great. Yeah, <laughs> and, he, and he's great. He's like a great yeah. kind of – he's just got a great feel. Yeah. And – uh I, in, fact, in fact, I was always trying to get him. I, I saw Arturo Sandoval once, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the great uh, Cuban trumpet player. Sure. And he he and he also plays timbales. And he went over in the in the middle of the set. He went over and uh, and took over the piano chair, <laughs> and he played great. Now he wasn't as good as the piano player that he had hired to be in the band. Mm-hmm. But he 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 was amazing, and I was like, I was always trying to encourage Curtis to do the same thing. I'm like, you know, how cool would that be if he just went over and did sure. one song? Yeah. yeah, on on the on the on the piano. But <laughs> um, I I think he's so he's so confident as a vocalist and a harmonica player that he he didn't want to 
for some reason, he never wanted to do it. But I was always mm-hmm. trying to get him to do it because I'd seen that mm-hmm. in that Arturo Sandoval show, and I thought, yeah. well, that's good show business, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, he's not uh, he's not as confident on the piano for some reason. Mm-hmm. He's actually he taught me a ton of stuff, huh. like a lot of the blues licks that I play in other bands. I learned uh, from Curtis. Wow. Huh. Um, so what kind of boss was he's he? Such a, a phenomenal. Oh, what kind of boss? Yeah, he is phenomenal in, in whatever that, he does. Yeah, you're right. You're right. But yeah. What, but yeah. What, what yeah. kind? What kind what, of? What, was your, what kind of boss was he to work for in the band? Well, so that's an interesting question because uh, when I'm saying I learned all that stuff, mm-hmm. he forced me to learn it. <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't. So he'd be like, on on this song, I want an Otis Stan thing. So, but then he'd play me a bunch of Otis Stan, or he'd say this this song, I want Professor Longhair. Uh-huh. And um, so I think I think sometimes. So I learned so much from him. Uh, at the same time, there wasn't a lot of freedom to just be yourself, your own musical voice, right? You know what I mean? Does yeah, that make yeah. any sense? Sure. Sure. Yeah. So, um, but it's his band, and he mm-hmm. wants to hear what he wants to hear. Yeah. And uh, and there were definitely times where I got to open up. Man, I mean, there's this gig in, um, I don't know if you remember that tune, uh, Sweet Jesus, Buddha, the Doctor. Sure. But he used to let me open up on that one. Really? And we, we had Drew Schultz, who now plays with oh uh, Train. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you know, uh, which is kind of a famous band. He's also a big time uh, lawyer. Drew is a. Yeah, right. Yeah, I think he quit and <laughs> yeah. it went to law. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that always confused me because um, he's such a great drummer. I was like, well, why, why would you give this up, man? This is. I know. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> but uh, Drew taught me about. Um, like uh, playing in fives and stuff, you know, because we, we jam mm-hmm. at, at sound checks mm-hmm. and things. And he showed he showed me all these cool rhythms, and um, and so we're playing this casino in uh, Lake Tahoe, and it, it's it's one of the most unforgettable moments for me of being in that band because we were we just took it over the the edge, you know, mm-hmm. we we went. We went way out. We're playing all these crazy rhythms, um, and uh, but it was still super funky, you mm-hmm, know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Curtis started dancing huh. like John Belushi, <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, now I get it. That's what because he doesn't always do that, you know. He doesn't right, right. when he's performing. He doesn't. But 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 uh, Drew." And I, I like to think that I helped in the inspiration, but mm-hmm. inspired him to kind of go back to the old days yeah. and actually yeah. dance like the 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 guy that Belushi stole all his moves from. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so I just thought that was uh, that was a real special moment, and I'll never forget it. Yeah. Did you have uh, a Did you have a piano so, at home? Uh, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, no. I have a, I have about, I think, ten or twelve different 
piano-like instruments. Yeah, but did you have a piano in your uh, home growing up? Oh, I did, and it wasn't as swanky as the one that you saw in Curtis's house. It wasn't that beat up, <laughs> but it was, ne- <laughs> but it was never in tune. So I, I like you know, people talk about perfect pitch and uh, stuff like that. Mine's a little off, and maybe that's why I like the blues uh, because it 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 wasn't uh, completely it wasn't completely out of tune. I mean, it still sounded like. And all the keys worked and everything. Yeah. I mean, Curtis's man, I was so banged up. Like all the, you know, the the yes. tops of the keys are missing and everything. Right. Right. So who, who's <laughs> who's got like divots in them? Whose piano was that? And uh, no, uh, that you was, had? Uh, it was my grandmother. It was it was my grandmother's. Uh, that, but it was my mom's. You know, uh-huh. so we had a piano in the house. Did they play? And I, I started lessons. At, uh, my mom could play like a, um, a a few chords. My dad played kind of cowboy chords on a <laughs> guitar, or mm-hmm. he actually preferred the uh, baritone ukulele. Huh. Um, and and they would uh, so they would play together and sing, and they would harmonize. My mom likes to harmonize, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I grew up in a very musical household, but it was kind of more like a folk music mm-hmm. sort of or country my dad liked country country mm-hmm. western mm-hmm. like hank hank snow hank williams tex uh, ritter johnny cash that kind of stuff. what's that you like tex ritter ah geez i don't know who that is no oh jeez, okay all right uh, <laughs> i'm gonna have to look that up for that yeah. one up. all right <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm sure he did because he was he didn't like the new country, mm-hmm. you know, the newfangled stuff. He liked the old, the old guys. But to me, that that music is very similar to blues and gospel, sure, and you know, old rock and roll. It's all to me. It's all related. I just call it American music. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. that that's that's what I like to think that I play is American. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not. I've studied some classical music uh, in order to improve my. My technique and everything, but I don't. Uh, I, I would never want to play a concert of classical music. I would be way too terrified. Yeah, yeah. But I read through it sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, and I teach it to my students, and uh, I'm okay with that because with a with a student, I don't, uh, I don't know if you like Norm McDonald, but he he yes. makes this joke that uh, that that if if uh, all you have to do to be a second grade teacher is have a third grade education. <laughs> <laughs> I love Norm Macdonald. <laughs> which, which, uh, he gets completely lambasted by teachers for saying that. Well, stuff. sure. But it's kind of true. You know, like if I'm trying to teach, you know, for a lease, I just have to be able to play it better than my student. I don't, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> But, yeah. Was, anyway, I, mean, I kind of went off on a tangent. That's there. okay. What 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 did you start to play? Did you start to play the same stuff that your parents did? Uh, no, because you you know, and I have three kids, and so uh, they never want to do what you do, right. which is okay with me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, my my son my son's 
a, a great drummer now, actually. Really? And he's been playing with the or he was playing with the Portland Youth Jazz Orchestra. Nice. Um, run by a uh, better Michelle Medler, who I met at Portland State. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, and and that's a great program. I'd recommend it to anyone once to, <laughs> you know, once things open up. I, I'm not sure. They've been kind of trying to do some stuff online, but it's it's hard. Um, so what does anyway, what does he and, listen to? He let me teach him. He actually likes jazz. Huh. Uh, which was funny. When I asked him what his favorite style was, he's like, well, yeah, I like jazz. And I was like, whoa. Because my girls, yeah. they, they want to hear the hip-hop. They want to listen to 94.7 and right. the 10-whatever. Yeah. One of the other pop stations. And and they like that stuff. And they're they're actually... Um, yeah, My youngest daughter, she's a great singer. Hmm. Uh, she sing, they, And they both sing along with everything. They've got pretty good pitch. Um, but they won't let me teach them anything every once in a while. <laughs> and in fact, you know, Brian Foxworth gave me some great advice once he goes, he goes, instead of trying to teach them like a prescribed lesson, like you do, like I would with my regular students, you know, like, a, you know, three thirty to four or, you know, four to five or whatever. Um, he goes, just sit down with them and show them what you do every once in a while. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought that was a great advice from a, one musical parent to another. Yeah. It was like, don't try to teach them the way you would uh, a student, but just kind of show them what you do every once in a while. And, you know, I I would never wish uh, the career of uh, professional music on, on my children. It's, uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I would never wish that I had done everything, any, anything that I've done. Like, I've got the tour of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've had so many great experiences. Uh, I've also had terrible ones, and you, and you don't make a ton of money, you know. Yeah. In fact, as a as a teacher, I'm, I'm probably doing better, even doing like virtual lessons mm-hmm. online, than uh, I would be doing as a pro. I, I always viewed the teaching as. A, uh, a supplement to my performance habit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, what do you think will be? What do you think? So, your, what, what, what do you think your first project will be when, once things start opening up? What would you like it to be? Well, I'd like to continue with some of the bands that I had been playing with. I mean, mm-hmm. Sabroso is a great band, super tight. The Oyeda Brothers are yes, great. They are, um, and and we wrote a lot of cool music, and I want people to hear that. Um, other, other than that, there's some other, other bands that, uh, that I would love to play with, you know, I'm, I'm sure when Curtis gets back into it, I, you know, he doesn't view it as I left the band as so much as that I come back and play sometimes. So Kurt, Curtis yeah. and I, you know, you mentioned what he, what he was like as a boss and, you know, so, so we had our issues. But um, but we've always maintained our friendship. That's good. And so uh, so I'm I'm sort of like a, a a member of the band that comes back every once in a while. I just I I, I actually had to give up the touring when um, uh, my ex wife went back to work ah. because I, she had you know when I was on tour she had had 
we, we were we we're both in, independent contractors. Mm-hmm. And when she got a full time job, I had to be around for the kids more. Right. Um, and, and couldn't take off for three months at a time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, that's kind of that, that was that's probably and because I couldn't. Um, Curtis was a great gig, you know, paid OK, mm-hmm. uh, but I couldn't support my family. Yeah, oh, yeah, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, so it 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 was a, uh, and you know, I mean, I'm just looking around my studio right now, and I also kind of got sick of playing in bands. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And which is why I went to like uh, doing the duos. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I called everybody up. Um, like I did a, you know, played at Wilts with the uh, Ronda Steele, and I. Um, and that's actually how I met Earl too, because mm-hmm. he was living in my hometown. So uh, I booked a gig down there where we're just playing a duo at a little local art center. And then uh, I called Alan up and we played. I forget the name of the bar. Actually, it was this piano bar H- over Hager in, uh, Northwest. Hager. Yeah, Alan Hager. Okay. Yeah, Alan Hager. And. Hager. Uh, I called him up and we, we play and and uh, he goes, well, what are, what are we going to do? And I said, well, we're just going to show up and play the game. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so we showed up at this piano bar in Northwest and, and uh, played and we got along really well. Mm-hmm. And so that ended up being a couple of year run mm-hmm. with, with Alan and I. Mm-hmm. And uh, we did a little bit of touring. But just as a duo, and I was like, wait, because I I can play a solo gig, mm-hmm. you know, I can play the piano and and sing a little bit. Uh, but I, the, to me, the the beauty of music is uh, the communication with the other person. It's a conversation. Mm-hmm. And uh, with Alan and I, see, I've got a pretty strong left hand, mm-hmm. and he does a finger style thing. Yeah, and we we both would sing. And so, to me, it was really like it was one. It was a duo, but we had six instruments, you know, because right, right. we would take over the bass part for each other mm-hmm. and accompany each other if we were taking a solo, and also, um, you know, sometimes double. But then we would both we'd kind of go back and forth and each mm-hmm. sing a song, mm-hmm. and um, you know, neither of us are the. If we're no Curtis Elgados in terms of the <laughs> vocal bar, Liv Warfield, or you know, like Lorana Steele, like yeah. those are powerhouse vocalists. Mm-hmm. Um, but w- w- what I found was that it, even if you're not the greatest singer, if you sing a song, people are more interested, right, than just playing instrumental music, um, which is, had been my focus, you know, for a lot of my life. Um, so. Anyway, I, don't, I, well, I went off on another tangent. That's okay. Well, listen, um, uh, I hope you get back. I hope you get back with the people that you want to get back with, and I hope we all get out of the, get out of the house before too long. You know, and, and I want to thank you for your time. I, oh, thank you, Tom, so much for having me. I really thank, appreciate it. Yeah, it's always good to talk to you, and and uh, your class was fun the other night. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, so. no, that was a blast and i thought you were great yeah. and uh and having and having asher there the whole time was uh, yeah, yeah you know he stayed on for the whole 
for for all the speakers. And I was like, what? Yeah, okay, cool, man. All right, well, <laughs> thanks, thanks a lot. And as I always like to say at the end, that's entertainment. <laughs>